to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? The blackest dies. Oh my God. Come on! Podcast. My name is Jeff, your usual host, and what follows here is the recording of our follow-up discussion to Midsummer. This time around, it is myself, our regular co-host Leanne, and our friend Patrick French is returning. We have a rousing discussion regarding Midsummer once again, and we get Leanne's insights. And if you remember, Patrick was on our initial Midsummer episode, where I sat down with him and friend of the podcast Paul Tiberius Stedman from Invasion of the Podcast and Strange Highways. And we had a rather in-depth discussion about the movie. And this time around, we get Leanne's perspective. We cover some things that we maybe didn't touch on last time. Maybe rehash a few things. But it was all a lot of fun to sit down and record a discussion like this. Uh, there is a rant from me, because what else would a Skewered Universe podcast be without maybe a rant from me? You know? And just so you know, there's a couple of edits in there. We had to take some stuff out. It didn't really flow with the podcast. So if you hear things where things don't line up exactly, it's just some editing to take out some things that didn't really belong in there. So I hope you guys enjoy. And now, Midsummer follow-up from the Skewered Universe podcast. Enjoy. I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. No, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity and I decided Look, I to do it. I don't mind you going. I just wish you would have told me. That's all. Dude, she needs a therapist. You've been wanting out of this stupid relationship for like a year now. And don't forget about all of the beautiful Swedish women you'll meet in June. Okay, guys. That's not her again. Seriously? Babe, what's happening? Danny. I was so very sorry to hear about what happened. I'm sorry. I invited Danny to come to Sweden. You know what she's been going through? Christian says you've got this special week planned. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. Unbelievable. Welcome and happy midsummer. School! What time is it? 9 p.m. That can't be right. The sky is blue. This is what 9 p.m. is like here. <laughs> How long have you two been together? Just over three and a half years. Four years. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? It's like another world. Tomorrow's a big day. Is it scary? 
What is it? It has special properties. What am I going through? We just need to acclimate. I don't want to acclimate. I want to go. Absolutely not. What's happening? I don't know why you invited us. That's why you look so guilty right now, because you know. We only do this every 90 years. I was most excited for you to come. Welcome back, everybody, to the Skewered Universe podcast. This is the Midsummer follow-up. We talked about it when Paul and Patrick were on the show. We were going to do a follow-up, and here we are. And joining me for this, we have returning my co-host. She's here, Leanne. Welcome back. Hey, sucker bag of dicks. How's it going? It's going well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. And also, he said he would come back. He's here again. Patrick French, how are you, my friend? Hey, what, I, I can't even, I can't follow up with what Leanne just said. I mean, <laughs> how do you It's best that? to just, just to just move along. Yeah, yeah, I'm just going to pretend like that didn't even happen. Yeah, it, it became my <laughs> shtick by accident, and I just have to roll with it. Hey, what's going on, guys? Not a whole lot. Uh, we're here back diving into this heavy movie. And I'm so excited to crap on this movie again. I am so glad. <laughs> I'm excited. So I know last time, uh, Pat, we covered quite a bit with Paul. We went yeah. through so much, but yet there's there's even more that we want to dive into. And I know you have a lot to say. But I know that we never really got Leanne's perspective, how she thought about the film. So I kind of want to open up with Leanne. You kind of given us your thoughts, how you felt about the film, what some of your takeaways were, and then we can dive into some of those deeper conversations. Well, I mean, it's funny because I was listening to the part one episode and um, you guys have, you know, watched it three, four times. I've watched this movie. I can't even count more than 10 times, probably. And I've. I've anticipated doing this episode because this movie is very, very close to me. I I don't know how the timing worked because I thought this movie had just come out when I saw it, but no, it came out into what, what, 2019. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And when I watched it, I didn't really know what it was going to be about. And it, it turns out it's about her losing her family and even around her birthday, that exactly happened to me. My birthday was March 1st. I lost my mom on the 13th. Um, <laughs> whew, was not expecting that. Um, and okay. so everything she was feeling in this movie, I felt. And I relate to it so much. I've obsessed about this movie. Um, I think for Midsummer, it's definitely there's something there speaking to you on, on a different level. Um, for me, I, I you know, I, I think the film is beautiful. I think we, we talked about this last time, Jeff, is, is the way that the film was shot and, and the, the long sort of uh, the long shots of Sweden 
are amazing. They're beautiful, right? It's beautifully yes. almost almost like a Kubrick esque. Uh, 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 these shots are just are just amazing and beautiful. The scenery, the ex- exterior shots are really great, um, and I think <laughs> I think that the I think that the film, you know, uh, makes sense um, because they literally spell out what's going to happen in the movie, and you know, within the first what is it, twenty minutes of the film. But part of me, yes. part of me is wondering. There, I have still a lot of questions about about why and 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 i've really been doing a lot of thinking about this film especially last night and right before i took my you know grandpa takes his nap in the afternoons uh right before (laughs) grandpa went down for his nap i was thinking about the film and i'm like you know if 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 we look at the film from the perspective of it being spelled out for us at the very beginning is that some sort of weird commentary on the futility of life you know what I mean? I, I don't know. What's your perspective on that, you guys? Oh, geez. I really didn't have a perspective <laughs> on it. That's very deep. I just thought they're they're going to show us what happens in this in this piece of art. And if you don't catch it, you're going to miss it. I, which kind of, I, I don't know, Jeff, what do you think? I mean, to me, that kind of feels a little like a slap in the face. You know, it, it kind of feels like, well, here's this thing. It's like, it's like throwing a, a, a poorly cooked steak in front of you and saying, "All right, you, here's your knife, here's your fork." This is a pretty. This is probably going to be a really poor analogy here, but but you know what I mean. It's like somebody preparing this meal for you, and and you look at the meal on the menu and it looks amazing, and then they set this plate in front of you and and it smells mostly good and it looks mostly appetizing, but it's like ultimately you eat it. And you're left unsatisfied. And I think that's where I was at with the movie. But I, what do you guys think? I, I can see where you would definitely pull that away. Because when you're looking at those tapestries and you're seeing the certain visual cues of this will happen, this will happen. And a lot of that stuff I picked up on other watches when I went back through because there's so much going on in the first watch. So I'm trying to take everything in that's happening. I've noticed just these little visual references here and there. I mean, the, the most blatant one being that first tapestry where they lay out how the girl is going to seduce the guy to conceive a child. And it now that you say that, it kind of makes me think, if you had been watching Jaws and there was a poster that basically laid out everything that was going to happen from Quint addressing the, the townsfolk to them taking the boat out to kill the shark and then quit being eaten. If that laid out, you'd be like, Spielberg's a hack. Yeah. Everyone would be like, Spielberg's a hack. But this one, I, I don't know. I feel like because we see that this society has been there for so long that maybe it's just something they've kept that it's something to show. This is one of our traditions. Maybe not necessarily the man who helps the woman to conceive the child being burned in a bear suit. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's there's so many ways to take things from this movie. And there's there's different things that I kind of took away last night. And we'll we'll get into that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's I I probably need to sit down and watch it again, because I think maybe I was just so sort of overwhelmed in the you know, the the first watching. I think maybe that's I'm, I'm coming from the perspective of 
going through it with the characters the first time around and not really being able to sit down and, and truly appreciate all of the other stuff that's happening in the background. Um, I know there were things happening in the background, but at the same time, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just... You, you shouldn't have to invest that much in yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You should I don't know, just Leanne. be able to watch it and understand it, as opposed yeah. to having to pay attention to all these different things going on in the background. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I was telling Jeff and Paul the last time. Um, you know, I, I, I totally get the first fifteen minutes of the film as kind of framing um, the character of uh, of uh, Danny. Um, I, I get that that the first sort of 15 minutes is, is kind of like Danny's origin story and, and, and it kind of, you know, sets your your kind of the expectation in the way that maybe you should view her as a character and view the subsequent events as a viewer. But I do feel like in a lot of ways because of the, uh, I don't know, just kind of the the aside from her kind of breaking down in those moments privately, but not really expressing that sort of those. Okay. So kind of going back to what I was just saying, um, you know, that, that first 15 minutes of the film or 20 minutes of the film, I just, I feel like that was a, a little bit extraneous because, because it's so internalized by the character. Um, I, I do see it as a, as a story element, but, but it's not really, I don't, and this is my personal opinion. I don't really feel like they play on that element that the director played on that element as effectively as he could have because she's internalizing so much of that, the anger and the, and the grief. I mean, there are scenes where she's crying outwardly and there are scenes where she's breaking down. And I know that's how human beings, human beings experience emotion, but there's no, ostensible way to lend context as a viewer to you know what she's feeling hey uh you know spoiler alert at the end of the film when she's when she's when she's watching the all right um but no worries man (laughs) sorry but yeah you know it's 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 that it's the her inner struggle that i don't think is that is manifest to the casual viewer in in or reinforced you know what i mean does that make sense i don't know i agree completely and i think that's another thing that i'm realizing that i identify with her about is the fact that she's internalizing all of these feelings whether it's feeling inadequate feeling unloved feeling unsure feeling sad feeling angry she's internalizing all of this And while you're right, it doesn't make for a very good plot movement because there's nothing she's putting out. I'm feeling like that, too. Like, I'm feeling very stagnant in my life because my plot isn't moving forward because I'm internalizing all these things. Yeah. So it's interesting that you say that. But, you know, Leanne, if, if we were filming the story of your life, right, like if Midsummer was was tracing, you know, your journey into Sweden, out into the back country <laughs> of Sweden with a bunch of weird religious fanatic Swedish hillbillies, uh, <laughs> so dis on hillbillies. Uh, you know, I, I, me as a director, if just I'm just saying, I'm not saying I can do a better job than this guy because I'm going full <laughs> Karen territory right now. 
but I think you would want to use those feelings that that you as the uh, protagonist of the story is feeling. I think you would want to find some way to express that in the film. And I know that there are scenes, I, I mean, that scene where she kind of loses it when they first get there. She says, give me a minute or what have you, what the exact dialogue is. She goes outside, has a good cry, breaks down, is 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 flashing back to, you know, uh, seeing her sister, things like that. I think they are peppered in there, but I think if you really are trying to portray the inner struggle of somebody, um, I don't know if Midsummer kind of conveyed all of those feelings. And and so like like I was saying that that term that I had when I was talking with Jeff and Paul was like this feeling of the inexplicable nature of the character of Danny and and maybe maybe not her character but her definitely her reaction at the end of the film as she's watching her you know, spoiler alert, as she's watching her boyfriend burn, is so inexplicable. And, and and there's good inexplicable, right? Like there's a good, there's a way to frame that like Jack Torrance's, you know, chilling skeletal grin at the end of The Shining, where he's frozen solid and dead. Like him inexplic- inexplicably grinning there is entirely set up by the movie. But Danny's character at the end of the film I, I feel is kind of set up but could have been set up better that's just my you know take on that hot take there I agree 100% yeah I, I see exactly where you're coming from there could have been a lot more development on that on that end but I mean hey Dying, being burned to death, being burned to death in a freaking bear suit, man. Talk about your classic way to go. Well, I mean, okay, <laughs> let's put it this way. How would you rather go, Pat? Would you rather go burned up in a bear suit or wood chipper? Oh, well, Leanne, uh, how many times have I spoken about my desire to be <laughs> <laughs> my <laughs> my desire to be uh, processed? Uh, by a wood chipper and splattered Gallagher style. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that is one of the things that has stood out to me in our entire friendship. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen that on celluloid yet. I, I've, I've kind of seen part of, like, I, I've seen attempts, but I mean, had they done that in Midsummer? Oh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm 100% on board. <laughs> I, I feel like her satisfied smile, that smug sort of crying smile at the end of the film would be far, you know, less inexplicable if they had splattered her, uh, you know, total D-bag boyfriend <laughs> all over that bar. It, it would have been, it would have been glorious. <laughs> A, a fitting a fitting end for someone named Christian who's just pretty much a prick. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, Leanne? What did you think of Christian's character? Um, it's it's funny because, like I said, I've seen this movie countless times. Like I cannot tell you how many times I've seen it, and every time I've seen it, I've wanted to like him. I've wanted to give him a chance. And that's another thing that she and I have in common, Danny and I, is that we both are willing to give a douchebag a chance. 
Uh oh, Jeff. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, she married and, this douchebag. <laughs> yeah, I sure did. I sure did. Well, hey, we're uh, friends, so Leanne, that is the true words have never been spoken. She's definitely given me a douchebag a chance at being her friend on several occasions. <laughs> oh, jeez. You are in no way a douchebag. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but um, I, I've wanted to like his character. I've, I've, I've tried to find some redeeming quality in him. And every time I watch it, I just get so mad at him. Well, yeah. At everything. Yeah, because he's, you know, I, I mean, I don't know, Jeff. What uh, From in my own perspective in my life, I've, I've kind of felt... And even, you know, even in my personal life, there's sometimes where you're just like being in a relationship with somebody dealing with situations as a partner with somebody, as somebody who's there and, and, and doing the day in and day out with somebody. There are situations where you can run into where you feel like, uh, you know, like this again, like, oh, no, there's no more toilet paper in the bathroom. Why didn't, you know, my daughter or whomever replace the toilet paper in the bathroom and i kind of feel like that's that's what makes this guy so unlikable the christian character is because he's like that through the whole film he's just like uh i can't i can't even like he's the i can't even guy you know yeah he makes it very clear from the very beginning that he doesn't actually want to be with her yeah well, and he's also moral, morally reprehensible, too, right? Like, that's the irony there of his name, is that he's also totally trying to scam his buddy Josh out of his uh, out of his paper there. It's like he suddenly springs it on his friend Josh. Oh, hey, by the way, I'm doing the exact same thing for my thesis that you're doing. And it's like, dude, <laughs> what the hell, man? Yeah, yeah even that... when he even when he like tries to make up for forgetting her birthday and gives her like this half-ass cupcake, I thought, you know, he's trying, maybe he's trying. He's trying to be a good person. No, he's not. He would have not done anything for her had Pele not said, Hey, uh, you actually forgot her birthday. You should yeah. probably do something. Exactly. He would have just kept on going. And his thing with Josh is when he's telling him, hey, I'm going to write my paper on the same thing you are. He's like, so if you want to collaborate, like it was his idea all along. Yeah. Like, I'll gladly let you in on it. And it's like, yeah, you're it's like, a real douche. You yeah. need to take a step back and really look at yourself for a second because everything you do is for you and you gaslight everyone around you, your supposed friends who you're supposed to be tight with, your girlfriend who you're supposed to care about. Anything that you can do to make them the bad guy or yeah. throw them under the bus to save your own ass, you're willing to do. You know, and that's like, I think, you know, kind of getting back to the timeline of the movie, that all happens fairly, fairly, you know, quickly into the into their sort of introduction to this to this cult compound, you know, essentially. I know I know that you and, and Paul what didn't want to classify this place quite as harshly as I did where I was saying, Hey, this, this seems like a cult to me. I know that there was some, some issue on, on, uh, or not issue, but there was just some reticence there on, on behalf of you guys. But I definitely feel like, you know, the Pele, the Pele character is taking them 
to this, you know, cult compound. I mean, the, there's no other way to sort of describe these people. And, and as somebody who's done a lot of, who has a big time interest in cults, especially murderous cults, and who's done a lot of listening of podcasts, you know, specifically the cult podcast and other podcasts that talk about religious cults like Om Shinrikyo or, you know, Heaven's Gate or the Children of God. I mean, this this group of people that we are introduced to at the beginning of the film, I would most definitely classify as a as a a, a cult. Although, you know, in in sort of and I don't know if this is kind of a deliberate reference if the film is deliberately referencing this, but you know, I mean, Sweden was, I think, was it was either Sweden, Norway, or, or Finland. One of those, uh, you know, places were amongst the last kingdoms to be converted to Christianity. And a lot, there's still a lot of those sort of Viking and pre-Christian traditions that exist in those places today that, you know, may seem weird as fuck to to us, you know, like jumping around the pool right. like frogs or, you know, I mean, eating lutefisk. I mean, oh my God, have you ever smelled that stuff? It smells like death. <laughs> but, I've never uh, no, but I've heard, heard stories. Before. Yeah, oh God, it's like, oh man. I, I've, I've watched the videos of people trying to eat this stuff and just violently vomiting, you know, like. Yes. As soon so, as they open up whatever it's in, it smacks them in the face like a sledgehammer. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. It's, like like, getting, it's, it's like taking an ice pick to your nostrils. You know what I mean? Not not through Ugh. them, but up Ugh. your nostrils. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, maybe we should talk about the film in chronological order. I know we kind of jumped out of... Uh, out of um, out of time here with talking about the different characters, but yeah, the, the, uh, this is where I will compliment the film. You guys is, is, um, as I've said, you know, the, the establishing shots are beautiful. Like the Swedish countryside, when they're walking into the compound, you know, all of the cult members out there doing whatever weird Swedish culty stuff they're doing, <laughs> taking drugs, playing volleyball. I don't know. They're playing <laughs> Fortnite out on the grass, you know. I don't Topless know. car wash. Topless car wash. You know, Call I mean, back. <laughs> I just, I feel like, I feel, I feel like that that opening sequence when they're walking in, like I, I honestly feel like they could have put any any activity in there, and it totally would have made sense because of like the just absolute otherness and dislocation of of you know, this compound, but, but the cinematography in, in those shots is, is really amazing. And, and I mean, you have so much to work with. I, I think you'd have to really try hard to like, you know, mess that up to, to not pull something off that looked beautiful. But what do you guys think? Yeah. Visually, this film is stunning. I mean, the sweeping shots of the landscape, the colors are vibrant and they pop. Nothing feels desaturated like so many movies we get now. All the colors are muted and everything's toned down. It's like, well, that's not how this would look. If I go out and I see a building that is bright yellow, it's it appears to me bright yellow. Don't tone it down so it looks so muted that you can't really tell. And that's what I do like about this is it's visually stunning. 
the shots and the color palette and the daylight and everything just makes it feel so warm and vibrant, a contrast to what's actually happening with some of the more cold and darker elements that happen. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it has a dreamy quality to it. I, that's what I think. I mean, there's the shots where they're at the table or some of the longer shots that in the daylight, they, they have this very dreamy, um, you know, gosh, what, uh, like atmospheric, uh, you know, ethereal quality to them. What do you think, Liam? I personally love when things don't seem like it's horror. Like, um, for example, if you hear a song and it sounds really upbeat and it sounds joyful, but if you listen to the words, it's actually very morbid. I really like that. And this movie has that feel to it where it's very, it's pretty, it's daylight. There are flowers everywhere. Um, Everyone's wearing white. It's very um, calming, but then it's also under the surface, very morbid and dark. And I really appreciate that. Totally. You know, I was thinking one of the activities that the cultists should have been doing when the, when the, gang walks into the compound there is like recording ASMR videos. Like, <laughs> this, this place this place looks like they could be just like it could be it could be an ASMR like sweat farm where all the cultists <laughs> are just recording just ASMR videos trying to get as many followers on YouTube as they can to monetize those channels. I mean, that's, yeah, it's, it is, I 100%, there's, there's flowers and it's, it's, you know, the shots primarily take place in, in broad daylight, you know, it's, it's, there is a metaphor there, I guess, you know, and, and I think, I don't guess, I know. Um, and I think it was clever uh, by the director and his name totally escapes me now. Uh, Ari Aster. Ari Aster, yeah, it's it's very. He definitely has a style. He reminds me of. Um, I think I talked about this the first time around. Was um, gosh, that is the name of that director? But he did um, the Fountain. He did um, that movie with Russell. Oh, the Crow. Fountain was so yeah. good. Yeah, he did that movie with uh, Russell Crowe as Moses. He has this palette. He he picks a palette for his movies. So like with the fountain, it was gold, right? And then for the Moses movie, um, it was blue. He he has these. I think he did Black Swan too. Darren Aronofsky. So Aronofsky. I was trying yeah. to think about it this whole time. I'm like, yeah, yes. Yeah. I was trying to look it up. And yeah, yeah, Aronofsky. So Aronofsky kind of you know Astor and Aronofsky strike me as as people who like to work in in with a certain color or you know in this particular film daylight and and white and and you know sort of that that effusive palette like you were mentioning uh Jeff and Leanne I think that's what he was going for here and it totally does cloak just the absolute bonkers <laughs> underbelly you know it's like it's like once you turn over the proverbial stone all of the worms and bugs wriggling out from underneath definitely that that palette hides this film i don't know what do you guys think well i was listening to uh the part one episode and you guys mentioned how the the murder and violence takes place off screen 
So it's not in your face. It's not obvious. Yeah. And it, it really makes you think about what goes on behind those walls. Mm-hmm. What goes on when you're not looking? Yeah, it, for it sure. really creeps me out. But yeah, I love it. Is it. Creepy. it is. It's super creepy. It's like that, you know, jumping forward in time in the movie where Christian meets the the matriarch of the of the um, cult there. And I know, mm-hmm. Jeff, I know you probably don't want me to refer to them as a cult. I don't have any. No, other no, they are 100 percent a cult. One hundred around on, after seeing it again. I'm definitely on board with this being a cult. Yeah. So, um, I but I I'm, I say that jokingly just because you and Paul were just like <laughs> I don't think these guys are a cult, and I'm like in my brain I'm like yeah they're 100 percent a cult. Like, <laughs> yeah, watching it again, I'm 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 on the cult train. Yeah, I mean this is like Charles Manson style. You know, what I, I mean, mean it's it's love bombing. <laughs> it's um they're re-traumatizing her with oh, all the God. death. Yeah. They're um, intoxicating her. They're altering her state of mind. Oh, totally. It's yeah. 100% occult. Which I, I have questions about, but, you know, we, I think if we move forward in the film, I, I definitely have a question there. Like, like you said, Leanne, it seems like all of the plot movement, even Danny's sort of emotional state happens off screen. You know, like the, the, the killing and the murder and the, you know, all of the really gnarly stuff, even Danny's sort of the, the depth of her grief or the depth of her rage or resentment towards the Christian characters all happening outside of the movie, which, you know, uh, could be deliberate. It couldn't, it could not be deliberate. I mean, part of me thinks that has to be a deliberate choice by the director just because you walk that fine line of like, well, if we start showing somebody being like, uh, whatever that the German eagle, whatever the hell that torture is, where they split your back open, and you know you start to right. turn this film into like a slasher flick, you know. And I, I don't think Aster was going for that, but I, I think it is. I think a lot of times movies put too much of that in when it isn't necessary. You don't need that to tell the story. You don't need that for it to be terrifying. It doesn't need to be in your face. For sure. It's, you know, Jeff, I don't know if you guys saw that post um, that I posted on Facebook, but it was about Howard the Duck, right? My, I told a story about when my grandma took me to see Howard the Duck and she was like, she was like, I don't know about this. You know, I was like 10 years old, <laughs> or nine years old. And she was like, she was super like, eh, you know, like especially the opening scene where Howard's being sucked into sucked into the earth realm and he flies by some duck in the, you know, in the bath and her boobs are showing yes. like nice, yeah, that, whatever. That yeah. And, but the scene that got my grandma was when Howard <laughs> total don't mean to derail the podcast here, but I, I'm trying to draw an analogy here. The scene that got my grandma is when, Howard, when it's inferred off camera that Howard and uh, what's her name? Oh, God, I had a crush on her. Kid, Leah uh, Thompson. Leah Thompson. Yeah, when Howard and Leah Thompson might have had relations, like it's heavily implied <laughs> that that Leah Leah yeah. Thompson made love to a duck, um, and my grandma just lost it. That is like, brilliant. Yeah, she was just like, oh my God. Like, I just, I remember her 
just being like, that was it. That was the straw that broke the camel's back for her. And <laughs> and she she finished the movie out with me, but oh my God, for years she talked about that. Like, that was disgusting. <laughs> like, that girl had sex with a duck. And, and, you know, I mean, they didn't show it because that would have just been comedy, right? Like, that would have been hilarious. It's like, Watching Zia oh, yeah. Thompson have sex with the duck, with Howard the Duck. I mean, it would have been amazing <laughs> and really weird. And I think that's kind of what this film is trying to do, to not show people having sex with the duck, but um, but capturing that that like really gnarly stuff off of off camera. Right. It's it's a very apt analogy. I do appreciate that because I grew up watching Howard the Duck and <laughs> It's a horrible film, but that that stuck with me later when I realized what it was. I was like, "Oh God!" Yeah, yeah. So, so it works. The implied fornication off screen between those two, and then the implied darkness in Midsummer. It, it very much, it very much works in that analogy. I mean, who knows? These guys could be making love to ducks. <laughs> Nothing. You know, we never room. saw enough. We never saw enough of the unclouded uh, gentleman with the slight deformities. So yeah. who knows what's oh, going off screen? Oh, oh, God. Well, they did have a dog, and we don't know what they did with that dog. So no harm should come to the dog in any horror <laughs> film. Ducks and dogs alone. <laughs> That means you, Leah Thompson. I know you're listening to us right now. <laughs> All right. I loved you, and, and I still kind of love you. Her and Ashley Lawrence of Hellraiser fame. But whatevs. Uh, Moving yes, on. Yes. <laughs> so, Leanne, you did a touch on something last night. Like I said, we had rewatched this last night together mm-hmm. in preparation for today. And you you threw out something that I had never noticed before when they're walking through the entranceway, taking that path to get to the entrance. Oh, yeah, the flowers. Yeah, touch on that a little bit because I never noticed this. I want you to kind of just talk about it real quick. It's so funny. Every time I watch the movie, I catch something new, even though it's right in front of my face. So, like. As they're walking through to get to the compound or the commune or whatever you want to call it, there's this path of flowers. And I didn't notice it until, not last time I watched it, because that was last night, but the night before. And I was like, wait a minute, they're walking on a path of flowers. Crazy. And it was crazy because I had never noticed it. And Pat, I'm not sure if you had, but it starts very sporadically. Like you start to see a flower here and there. And then the closer they get, there's more flowers on this path. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it makes sense, right? Like the symbolism being rebirth, right? The, the whole, the whole midsummer ritual is, is this whole film is kind of a, a take on, on Danny specifically her sort of, you know, I, I don't want to say physical death, but but definitely grieving and dealing with uh, dealing with death and disappointment and um, regret and all of these negative emotions at an emotional level. The death of a relationship with Christian, the death of her family, you know, um, and and sort of like her rebirth and indoctrination into this cult. I mean, 
you know, the the literal sort of ritual itself is is that of rebirth, right? Like when you go back to medieval times or when you go back to pre-Christian times, the whole idea of this this festival is uh, a, a literal rebirth of the world as it emerges from, you know, um, sort of the winter and and i mean isn't the midsummer the midsummer is the is the time right before right at the end of the winter as they're sort of planting and sowing and starting that rebirth process and i think that i could totally be wrong and you know if i am great uh but uh as, as far <laughs> as i as far as i'm aware i believe that i mean the midsummer festival the spring festivals are fertility festivals and, and they celebrate the rebirth of the world um you know and, and that's kind of danny's character is kind of definitely going through this rebirth so her walking on a carpet of flowers would be you know something that kind of totally makes sense but you know and, and then even that pisses me off guys right like so <laughs> she's walking in on a it, that really fucking makes me mad right that really grinds my gears right now right because because then because then it's like all of these other characters like all of these they're totally this this film is not and i guess it's not it's not heavily implied but thinking about what you guys like thinking about this film now i realize that this this film is basically about danny's spiritual rebirth you know and and her rebirth into this this cult structure and it's about her shedding off the sort of accoutrements if you will of her past life and that really pisses me off because then i'm like well why the hell all of this other all of the other stuff in this film is totally inconsequential and pointless to the movie right like if we're just talking about danny's rebirth as a person Oh, I don't know. I, now I'm getting mad again. I'm like, my thoughts are swirling. I'm sorry. Go ahead, guys. No, no, no. No need to apologize. That's why we're here, to get everyone's view on what's going on. And that's the beauty of this. We can discuss it, have a discussion, and nobody's going to sit here and go, well, my opinion matters and yours doesn't, so screw you because you're wrong. Yeah. No. We all take things away from each other. That's the point of this. Oh, it's just making me so mad, though. It's like now I feel even more <laughs> cheated by this movie. You know what I mean? Like, I feel so cheated by this movie. I'm like, I wasted two and a half hours of my life watching this film. It should have, like, this movie could have just been Danny, like, getting a fresh, getting, getting a fresh outfit, getting a haircut, like, hitting the gym really hard, going to therapy, you know what I'm saying? Like, like if we're going to talk about rebirths here, like, <laughs> just make a straight up drama about like Danny getting her groove back. Like maybe she goes and she, she like, this could have been like some weird spa in Sweden that she goes to for the weekend. And she has like relationship drama with her boyfriend and she catches him and a bunch of weird people like having an affair. You know, I, I just, Oh, now I feel so mad. I'm like, this was totally, uh, 
Did, did you're, you... Pat, you are completely rewriting this movie, God. and it's just, it's tickling me to death. <laughs> it's making me insane right now, you guys, because I'm like, this film could have been on the Lifetime channel. Like, did oh, you God, get the no. Lifetime channel script and punch it up and then came up with Midsummer? <laughs> Oh, what do you guys think? What, what's your theories on this? I have a new theory about this film. Headcanon. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. I don't know why, but you being so upset about this movie just cracks me up. Oh, my God. It makes me so happy. Oh, it's, it's, so, it's so infuriating. Like I, she, she should, instead of going to Sweden, she should have just dumped her boyfriend, got a new outfit, Went and get a get a manicure, go to some therapy, go work out, and the movie could be called Danny Gets Her Groove Back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it could have been like Hillary Duff could have played the uh the dance <laughs> character. <laughs> I mean, if they wanted to add some like some some spice to the movie, maybe they have like a, a spicy, like like spicy Swedish weird dude who keeps talking about like his family back home and, and like, Hey, come back to Sweden with me. And they could have like got some like weird trafficking storyline going in there. Cause you know how those like lifetime movies want to like take a totally benign <laughs> situation and they want to punch it up with some total BS. I mean, I, it's making me mad now. You guys, I'm sorry. They, they would have looked for like a Peter Stormare light to play yeah. that. Because they wouldn't be able to get Peter Stormare because he'd be like, look, Lifetime's even below me. I know I've been in some shit movies, but I'm not doing Lifetime. So they would have oh. went with like his great value discount God. store version. This is, you know, this is like now Now I'm starting oh, to see this film as 100% a, a garbage indulgence of the director. <laughs> this is like the director's fantasy. You know what I mean? Oh, like, absolutely. Especially since it's about a breakup and he makes it very clear it's about a breakup. Yeah. And then he's added all this uh, fluff to it. Yeah. This, you just, know, I get it. It's like it's like all the characters just totally become unnecessary. When you frame it, like when I, I'm starting to think about this movie and I'm like, I'm like, this was totally, this is a, a tired sort of, storyline that was looking for you know for ways to sort of spice it up and and i mean yeah a cult in sweden you know definitely that's a good way to get a movie made if, but it at its base it's just a really simple rebirth story it's a it's it's like stella got her group back except yeah in sweden and and weirdos and old people jumping off of mountains and um, <laughs> a lot of, <laughs> a lot of extreme questionable form. <laughs> yeah, dude, totally. <laughs> I, I really feel like, I really feel like they should have cut in the whole YouTube going for the uh, clicks and the likes and the <laughs> subs <laughs> angle. here. Hey guys, welcome back to Hargo. We're here for Midsummer Festival. <laughs> We just got finished with the Atastupa. <laughs> the Atastupa. Yeah, like, just like... I don't know imagine... why I sound German. I don't know a Swedish accent, but, you know. No, that was good. I liked it, Jeff. That sounded legit to me. Um, he hates it. Come at me, bro. No. Come at me, bro. <laughs> don't at me on Twitter, man. Um, yeah, I, it's like... 
yeah, it, it kind of makes it inexplicable again to me. And, and it just, uh, I don't know. Well, uh, to be fair, I think that kind of ties it into the fact that it's a horror film about a cult and the fact that they, the fact that they actually went out to look for these specific types of people and these people had specific type of roles in this whole situation. Yeah. Um, and, like, I even wanted to like Pele. Like, I've liked him throughout the whole times I've watched the movie. I've liked him until I realized that he is just as manipulative as everyone else. Oh, yeah, totally. No, I mean, the, the Pele character, like, I, you know, <laughs> there's, it's funny because I, I have the IMDb page pulled up right now. And there's a picture of um, uh, Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Uh, and I'm like, man, Tom Hiddleston <laughs> would have been an amazing Pele in this film, right? Like, they <laughs> but yeah, he's he's almost like, yeah, he, his character is super likable. Like the whole film, he's the only one that that shows any sort of humanity towards Danny, that shows any sort of empathy, you know, however misplaced, you know, hint, hint, the makeout scene. Very misplaced. Yeah, 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 the total inappropriate (laughs) level of concern, you know. Uh, But, I mean, if if that fan, because I know that that's a fan theory out there, right, is the the cult uh, deliberately targeted Danny and or may have orchestrated the demise of her family, right? Oh, see, that's too much for me. Yeah, and, and I'm like, yeah, that's whoa guys let's pump the brakes on this okay this isn't game of thrones here but (laughs) but i mean totally yeah the insidiousness of that character right and the insidiousness of the cult and him recognizing that something is up with danny again it isn't explicitly stated in the film right unless 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 christian's having conversations which it's kind of alluded to with his friends about how like messed up Danny is and all of her problems. Maybe he's having these conversations. I think, and I think they do have a conversation about why uh, they should be together uh, or there's some allusion to her being super clingy, I think. And they have this whole conversation. So Pele like catches wind of that or Pele catches wind of that and definitely targets her. That's, that's messed up. That's super messed up. I know for a fact he was targeting people because when he, was talking to um, Will Poulter's character, he tells him um, about being able to impregnate all these Swedish women. Oh, dang. And it's like, well, now, wait a minute. That goes against the personality he's had for the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. Except that one little thing, that's what calls him out for being a manipulative piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. He's deliberately saying things to draw them in. Yeah. When he knows it's a lie. Yeah. I mean, and he's just, I mean, that, yeah, that, that character to me, that, that character was the only, aside from Danny, was the only character that I felt was like three dimensional, right? Like I felt yes. like even Christian felt like a cardboard cutout, but Will Poulter, I can't stand that guy's face. Looking at him pisses me off. <laughs> what? I just, I, I look at him and I see Matt Gates, you know, the congressman from Florida. I just, it, and I, or I see like Beavis, or I, excuse me, I, I see Butthead. I love Butt his face. He, I love him. I think, 
it's 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 the characters that he tends to play, but I, I don't want to go take a side quest into how much I hate Will Poulter, just his face. <laughs> and I totally, yeah, and I totally one hundred respect one hundred percent respect your your love of his face. I'm sure that he is <laughs> he is somebody's jam, right? Like, but it's because he plays these characters that are so insufferable at times, and this character Mark is like the quintessential insufferable like horn dog like you know he's he's straight off of like the 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 trope database you know what i mean he's he's a cardboard, he's a caricature of of a person and i know that these sorts of people exist but you know that's kind of like what makes me mad about this film is that there there are these characters that aren't fully fleshed out and i think you know, Josh, the character of Josh, William Jackson Harper's character, he's kind of like, they attempted to make him a little more three-dimensional, but he ends up sort of still being like, uh, you know, he, he he's trying to keep the movie or the plot line going along with his sort of side quests uh, into the temple or whatever that that place is with the freaking Toxic Avenger who lives upstairs or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that horrible, horrible artist in all of his colors. The elephant child. The elephant child. <laughs> so, oh, oh. Um, no. But and I apologize. Now, now I know. I'm now. I'm really sad thinking about that. <laughs> but yeah, no. I, yeah, I don't know. What do you? I, I just. Uh, I don't know. I I get so tied up in knots over this film. I think it's hilarious that you've seen it once and you're this upset by it. (sighs) (laughs) It got you. It got me. Something director one. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he did. It's the hubris of Ari Aster and this, this movie. Oh, I don't know. Whatever. I I mean, if it, if a director's, goal is to get people to feel something about a movie that he's definitely done it because you have a very hard stance you feel a certain way yeah so he's definitely got you to have an opinion and a feeling about the movie for sure so i don't think and it's not necessarily even, that not even just a won. negative feeling just he feels ripped off he feels yeah ripped. yeah big time yes 100 yeah. percent feeling ripped off by this movie because there's so many guys there are so many i know we're jumping all around this movie but it's so hard to have a That's linear fine. discussion about this film jeff it, don't you guys feel like it's really really hard to have a linear discussion about this film that is basically just a two and a half hour insight into the mind of the main character in a way like it's i don't know there it doesn't feel like anything in this film is concrete does that make it sense almost feel yeah it almost feels like it's two different mm-hmm. movies like it's it's the dramatic yeah. movie of her grieving getting over it and then there's the movie of this horrifying murder cult totally that's and and i think that's what's bugging me is that is that is that it is two different films. Don't you think, Jeff? I mean, like, from your perspective, Leanne's nailed it, right? Like, this this film is, this film could have just as easily been Stella Goddard Groove Back as, uh, 
you know, the Jim Jones movie doc. You know what I mean? Like, ah, what do you think, Jeff? Oh, yeah. I totally, I totally understand. And it, it does definitely, after seeing it now five times, because I wanted to make sure that I was informed enough to discuss this. Because usually, and just a little sidebar here, when I watch a movie the first time, I'm not necessarily trying to think about how am I going to turn this into a podcast? How am I going to talk about this? I want to just see it first. Okay, I've seen it. I have a general opinion on it. Yeah. Okay, is this something I can cover? Then I'll go back and watch it again maybe to see the finer points, try and pick up on things that maybe I didn't catch on the first watch. That being said, this definitely does have the feeling of two separate movies that they just kind of went, well, we've got this and we've got this. Yeah. It's like, it's and it doesn't like really the come together. Wanted, it's almost like the director wanted to do the breakup movie and thought, okay, well, I can't just do a breakup movie because it'll be on Lifetime. How exactly. can I make it different? Exactly. Okay, how about we add a cult and we turn it into a horror film? Exactly, Leanne. That you exactly exactly why I feel so ripped off by this movie and exactly why I'm like, no, pardon my French here. Fuck this. I'm not watching this movie again. (laughs) I've already given it two and a half hours of my life that I can't get back. Of course I did it at night when my daughter was asleep. I wasn't a horribly irresponsible dad. who was like, get away kid while I get ripped off by Ari Aster. (laughs) (laughs) But that's exactly how I feel. This Fucking movie could <laughs> this movie was totally a lifetime it was a bad lifetime breakup movie script in exactly like what you said Leanne Ari Aster's like I want to make a movie about how much I hate my girlfriend right and <laughs> yeah and but I need to sell this in order to, it's like that scene from um, Kids in the Hall Brain Candy, right? Like, did you guys ever see that movie? No. Okay, so there's sadly the whole, no. Okay, so the whole premise is like is is like this big medical company wants to make the perfect anti-anxiety pill, right? That's that's the whole movie in a nutshell. But there's a scene where one of the kids in the hall crazes plays plays this crazy scientist, and he's pitching his drug to a bunch of like corporate suits who are like the total like archetypical corporate suit assholes and he's like they're like so what's your drug and he's like it's a pill that gives worms to ex-girlfriends and they're just like um he's like you don't understand (laughs) this is a pill that gives worms to ex-girlfriends and they're just like and why and he's like it's a pill for the world and that's how i feel like this (laughs) <laughs> this guy like had this mission to expose his horrible relationship to the world. He wanted he was smart. He wanted to monetize it somehow, and he needed some pitch. Like he he probably took some shitty script to Lifetime and was like, <laughs> "I'm gonna make Stella got her groove back, except with white people." And <laughs> and they were like, "Get the hell out of here!" And he's like, "Well, I gotta punch it up. I gotta find some way." <laughs> I gotta find some way to, to to turn this into a thing. I, I, I'm I'm totally crapping on this movie, guys. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting I'm getting worked up. No. worked up into a rage right now. <laughs> That's what makes I, it entertaining. I apologize for getting you worked up, but it does make for compelling listening. Yes, I do want to say talking about this this whole thing of like, well, I had this script, but how can I sell it? Yeah. 
it kind of reminds me, and Pat, you might remember, uh, Dimension Films in the early to mid-90s, because they had acquired the rights to the Hellraiser franchise and those characters, they started inserting the Cenobites into ridiculous scripts that had nothing to do with Hellraiser whatsoever. And that's what this kind of reminds me of. Like, well, we got this script. How can we make it? Oh, put Pinhead in it, and it'll be be a Hellraiser movie. We'll call it Hellraiser Hellscape or whatever. Yeah, It'll work. It'll work. Or let's put the let's put Mershon's toy box into the film somewhere. It's like under a piece of glass in a a shop. Oh, look! It's 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 a story in the Hellraiser universe. Yeah, I just I feel like I feel like this was ultimately a cheese sandwich of a movie, and I think maybe the first script was probably like a really crappy, you know, not even not even a, a an American, not even like a craft American cheese sandwich, but like a. Kroger American cheese sandwich. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. The the one the dollar store American cheese food. Yeah. That doesn't food, melt. Quotes. That doesn't melt. Exactly. That doesn't melt, right? So like how do I turn this this thing into something that's interesting? And and I think ultimately that's where I feel cheated because I feel like yes, there are a couple of interesting characters um you know sweden like even that even the choice of this happening in sweden is such a lazy freaking manipulative choice by the director right because like like i have this beautiful we have this beautiful landscape we have this like everybody on his on his crew like took advantage of that landscape shot it beautifully uh colorful bright a beautiful film to look at but the storyline is ultimately a turd because this could have taken place anywhere this could have been in cleveland ohio there could have been a cult there there was that there's that lady that love is one lady who just they there did a story about this cult lady who died of of from taking too much colloid what is it colloidal silver and she turned purple basically but the cult, her cult, was like worshiping her in in the back room of of some other cult member's house. I mean, this film could have they could have literally done that and still made as an effective as effective of a movie without it being so sort of again inexplicable and confusing. Ah, it's just making me mad. That's well, to be fair, I yeah yeah, it's almost that it could like, have been anywhere. Yeah, but I mean, for me. It, you know, the fact that I'm kind of in it in, you know, a similar situation of Danny, like, I had to get out of my element. I had yeah. to get out of my house. I had to get out of my bedroom. I had to leave. I left the state. I'm in yeah. Portland right now because yeah. I needed to get as far away as possible. And, and the fact that I'm in, like... To me, Portland is it basically might as well be Sweden because it's yeah. completely foreign to me. Yeah. And I understand why they would go to Sweden because it's on the completely opposite side of the world. Things are completely different, completely out of her element. Nothing is familiar to her. Yeah. So well, I, I get why they would do Sweden. And I totally I I think 
if it, it if there could was have been a, a different country, to be honest, yeah. it could have been anywhere. And but. I think a competent, I think a competent director working with a a a like all of the cues of the film. What I can't get over, Leanne, is 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 the plotting out of the structure of the film in the first twenty minutes. That is that is the first slap into the face, first slap to the face of me as a as a you know I'm not like. I'm not Siskel and Ebert here, but you know, I've watched a lot of movies. I like to think about movie structures because I like stories. I like hell, I like playing D and D. I mean, I'm yeah. a sucker for a good story. And I like Lovecraft and I like horror. I like that genre. And I, I just I really feel like I really feel like the choices that the that Ari Aster made when he when he, you know, shot this film, taking it to Sweden, uh when he's going to spell out the entire structure of the film in the first 20 minutes just feels like more fluff. Like, like we were just talking about, it feels like more mayonnaise on the, you know, shit sandwich. Uh, sorry. It's supposed to make That's okay. <laughs> I, I'm it imagining just... a shit sandwich and questioning why someone would put mayonnaise on yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. Because it's like, it's like ultimately, if if you're trying to make a film that is is describing or if you're trying to make a horror film if you're trying to genuinely um really mess with somebody's head and i guess he was successful cuz look how twisted i am over this movie yep uh you could do that anywhere right i just i feel like this guy's like hey we got 90 million dollars to throw out this crappy script let's take it to sweden <laughs> you know what i mean like and then he's going to slap you in the face with here's how the movie's going to go within the first 20 minutes. I just feel like I feel like really insulted. Uh and and but I haven't watched it five times so you guys are way more qualified to speak on the technical details, but I just I think as a average movie watcher as a average, you know, from from one take, this film really felt like a disservice to to the casual viewer. Maybe that was intended. Maybe he wants you to watch this ten times so that he you can pick out all the little Easter eggs that he's planted in the film. But it just makes me mad. I don't know. It just pisses me off. Actually, now that you say that, it does make sense because that's one of the main reasons why I keep watching it over and over. Because I keep seeing those little Easter eggs and going, oh, I didn't notice that before. And, oh, I didn't see that the first time. And, wait a minute, is, did that guy just do what I think he did? It's it's something new each time, and it doesn't have anything to do with the plot. It you know, it, it's a very simple plot, um, but there's so many things that catch my ADD. You know, <laughs> yeah, what keeps you think, me yeah. interested. Yeah, no, for sure. I, you're one of you. You have more insights into this film than than I have because you, you're nailing it so far, Leanne, on all of these points. Oh, good. I'm glad. Well, I think one thing that comes up, and I've, I don't know if you guys have heard this. Um, so the writer-director, Ari Aster, when he's been asked about his films, like Hereditary and Midsummer, and they ask him about, well, do you really like making horror films for A24? They, question, they ask him about horror, and he goes, no, 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 I don't make horror films. I make elevated horror films. These aren't your conventional horror films. Horror films. Uh, cool. And I'm like, you are so far up your own ass. A horror oh my film God. is a horror film. I don't care. Yeah. Don't try to give it this this oh no, well it's elevated horror because it's more subtle and this I'm like, no, you it's basically made your lifetime version of the Wicker Man that was a little <laughs> less messed up. Yeah. 
Yeah. You can't sit there and go, oh, this is elevated horror. It's the yeah. same problem I have with people that will justify, well, Silence of the Lambs won an Oscar. It's a crime thriller. I'm like, no, so that's bullshit. literally a horror yeah. film. He yeah. he cut a guy's face off after biting his nose. Yeah. You have a, a cannibalistic character who is helping someone in the FBI catch a serial killer who was literally skinning women to make a suit. This is the story of Ed Gein, basically. Yeah, yeah. Or or it's like saying, so that's, oh. that's a horror movie. Yeah, or it's like going, oh, hey, you know that story about the Miami zombie who, like, ate his friends, his fellow homeless guy's face off while he was on bath salts and sleeping? That was a love story. No, dude, don't sell me that basket full of garbage, man. That That, that is straight up... <laughs> horror right there's no way you're gonna make a story about the miami zombie and call it a love story it ends with a man literally chewing another man's face off while high on bath salts there's nothing there's no love in that i am sorry it's it's just like this whole idea of like i think and i think that's what's bugging me too right is like and i think that bugs me a lot about just the modern age. This is gonna be this is gonna be Uncle Pat going off on a rant about <laughs> how the old sucks and how everything was more awesome twenty years ago. But but you know what I mean? Like this whole idea of elevated horror. This is the kind of BS they tell you when you get into a restaurant and they want to sell you a fifty dollar hamburger. They're like, oh no, it's not a hamburger. It's an elevated, you know carnivore experience no dude it's a fucking hamburger okay and it, it probably cost you five dollars to make and you put some truffles on it or you know some fake caviar and now you're gonna sell me a 75 or 100 dollar burger like uh, yeah and then on top of that they're spoon feeding it to you yeah exactly yeah exactly exactly it's like <laughs> oh here's here's a breakdown of the price that it actually cost us to to treat you to this elevated experience that you're privileged to be, you know, um, indulging in. And, oh, look, it's it's cost $50 less than what we're actually selling the... the I just... That's probably a really bad analogy. It's just... This film, this film just... It really grinds my gears. I hate, <laughs> I hate when directors try and take... I, I just hate films that try and aspire for something greater than what they are. And 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 then you've got all of the apologists online mm-hmm. like saying, "Oh, this film is so heavy and it's 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 rife with with references to pagan and pre-Christian rituals in Sweden." I'm like, "Dude, get out of here. Ari Aster was not reading about the pre-Christian history of Sweden or the pre-Christian, you know, fertility rituals. Like this is all stuff that's that's brought in by the viewer, right? I think, like you said, Leanne, ultimately this film is Ari Aster's breakup film. And he needed, yeah. he needed to put some mayonnaise and some caviar and some freaking jack cheese, you know, like he was <laughs> so mad right now. I'm sorry. This, it's, it's, basically, it's basically one of those restaurants that goes, we've, we've reimagined the burger. We've taken American Wagyu beef and raclette cheese, black truffle, and a garlic blah, blah, blah aioli. It's like, so mayo, beef, cheese, it's a fucking burger. Don't yeah. tell me any different. Yeah, it's The like argument my... of elevated horror just bugs me. It's like, well, it makes you think. I'm like, good movies make you think. Yeah, exactly. And there's, exactly. A, there's a difference. Like, a fun horror movie doesn't really make you think. You get lost in it. 
then there are those horror movies that are like, oh man, this is really like, there's something to this. I want to, you know, this really made me think. And there's movies in other genres that will make you think. Yeah. This movie doesn't make me think. It makes me go, there's some fucked up shit happening. I don't want to join a cult. Yeah, exactly. That's I mean, it. I guess, I guess that's my takeaway. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if it's if you're talking about straight up anti cult propaganda, then yes, mission accomplished. It's it's kind of like every time I drive through Del Taco, and I see that stupid their new tagline of like, oh, it's a it's a fresh Mexican grill or something like that. They they've tagged <laughs> all their restaurants with this thing, and I'm like, dude, don't know. It it's fucking Del Taco, okay? I I know. I know what I'm going to get when I drive through Del Taco. Do not hand me something and then tell me, oh, but it's we're a fresh Mexican grill now. This isn't Del Taco anymore. No, you're going to hand me the same garbage that I love and enjoy. And and I'm going to drive off and I'm going to eat it and I'm going to feel vaguely disappointed but full. And I'm going <laughs> to walk away and be okay. But this film pretends to be something that it isn't. And I think that's what makes me mad is that is that 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 it's that and that's what has me feeling this inexplicable feeling because it's trying so hard to be something that it isn't and i feel like a lot of the stuff that they added in like like leanne caught that 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 catch about the flowers right maybe they just added that shit into in post-production was like how can what's another thing that we can add What's another ingredient that we could add to this horrible melange of hubris and elevated horror that somebody upon second viewing will go, oh, look, that's a thing I miss. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels yeah. pointless. I understand completely. Yeah, anyway. And I feel, like, I feel like it helps me understand how – this is going to be hard for me to explain. But so, like, a lot of people think – Number one, they're going to recognize the cult right off. They they think they know what's going to happen. They think they know how they're going to react. And for the longest time, I thought, I'm going to know a cult when I see it. I'm not going to drink the Kool-Aid. It's obvious. It turns out that is not the case for me. Because when my mom died, my world got, I mean, shattered. Completely yeah. shattered. And I had to... <sighs> I had to reevaluate things. And when I went to um, my friend's house that I've been staying at in Portland, um, her, <laughs> her partner, who I like very much, um, the first night handed me a bowl of supplements and vitamins because he works in the wellness department of his grocery store. Mm-hmm. And without even thinking, I mean, think about this. I'm in a new environment. I'm, I'm, grieving the loss of my mom someone hands me a bowl of pills and says here take this it's good for you did i question it did i say what's in it did i no i gobbled those supplements up yeah and said thank you yeah and i think if if i were in danny's place if i would have been introduced to this cult i think i would have drank the kool-aid yeah then that's a really good point that's a fair point and I, you know, Leanne, and, and I think this drives me back to this, to this point in regards to this film. If 
if I were filming your life, we would have a lot of establishing, like maybe we have flashbacks of the good times you had with your mom. Maybe we have uh, flashbacks of, of all of the wonderful memories and, and the things that you did and, and what she meant to you and, and establish that relationship oh. so that we can go, look at how, look at how tore up Leanne is right now. And, and the fact that somebody would hand her a bowl of pills or, you know, some Swedish hallucinogenics uh, and you would just unquestionably down those. I don't know if they do that. I don't know if Ari Aster does that effectively in this film, right? Like, I, because that first, that first 15 or 20 minutes of the film, you know, that impact of that scene, while it was horrifying, you know, the character of Danny is still, she's still in this place where you feel like, it, I don't know. I just don't know if it was competently expressed the depth of her her grieving, right? Like you've got that scene where she's crying when she first get gets there, but that's after she does the drugs and is asleep for a day out in some field. You know, I, it's just I don't know. It, I just feel like if they wanted to illustrate, you know, how how deeply deeply affected she was, maybe just hitting the audience over the head with a sledgehammer of emotion may have made her subsequent reactions to things less inexplicable. You know what I mean? Like I definitely feel like they could have given more actual emotional depth to it. Yeah. Yeah. Like everybody feels really shallow. Even Danny's character, even in the scenes where they dedicate to her emotional struggle as she processes everything that's going on around her, um, even, even that isn't really fleshed out as effectively as I think a director would want to flesh that out if they're trying to build up to this horrific end. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I agree completely. What do you think, John? It does make sense. It does make sense. And I, I kind of want to throw out a comparison here and you guys can, can stop me if you think I'm wrong. <clears throat> So the more I watch this and I see there's someone who has past trauma and then that's kind of used to someone's advantage in a sense. And it kind of reminds me of Get Out and what you were saying, Pat, made me think of this because in Get Out, our main character's trauma is used to sort of control him and manipulate and be able to hypnotize him into a state where they could use him for what they want. But we see what that trauma is. We're told what it was. We feel it. And we're like, oh, man, this is really – this is deep. This is harsh. Yeah. And it's done in a way that gives you here's what happened. Here's why he's this way. It's boom, boom, boom. Now you know his backstory. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. So you get it and you're like, okay, now I'm on board with this character. I really feel even more for this guy. Yeah. This is – you know, you – they make you – what do I want to say? You – like empathize you don't so much character. relate to empathize. Thank you. Yeah. That was the word I was like. You empathize with this character, and I think that was missing yeah. in Midsummer because you didn't really get a whole lot. You're like, well, she lost her family, but did they have a good relationship? Is she just yeah. broken because it was so sudden? Yeah. Like, was there something not... with her sister? Yeah, because I mean, those things are alluded to, but it's it's so it's it, they spend so much time building up this scene where the, you know, it's the big reveal is that, 
you know, the the sister gassed her parents to death and then gassed herself. They spend so much time on that scene. That scene is totally unnecessary. Like, why would you spend that much time on that scene and then spend the rest of the movie not showing any of the horrible stuff that's happening off camera if you're trying to make an impact on the audience, right? They could have just cut out that entire scene. They could have plugged in maybe a little backstory as to why her relationship with her sister is so bad, or maybe showing a bunch of different texts where her sister is like, I feel like I want to take out the whole family, or just something to build up, to flesh out Danny's character and to build up that tension with her and her boyfriend. Because it it just kind of, I feel, and, and no disrespect here to the, to the character of Danny, but I, I just feel like she's super basic. Like they don't, I don't, I don't really care about Danny. You know what I mean? Like they don't, they don't, I don't feel like they build her that character up enough to, for me to go, Oh damn, like she's really been through some stuff. Like I'm horrified by the way that, you know, her parents end up meeting their end and that her sister does it and tapes the, I mean, has that weird mechanism that she's sat there and built. I mean, that to me was just like, like show all of, allude to that off screen because that's way more terrifying, right? Like what you can imagine off screen is way more terrifying than just spending, a, what was it like 10 minutes in that opening or in that, that sort of mid opening scene where they're walking through the house and they're showing the parents dead. And then that long sort of dolly shot moving in where they show the sister with that elaborate, like, face hugger looking contraption that she used to, to to take out her family. I'm just like that. Why would you spend that much time showing that scene? And then only, you know, then she only sees her as a vision out in the field, but she doesn't flash back to that at any other point during the movie. It just, it doesn't seem, that just seemed like, again, like how are we gonna, we need to make an elevated horror piece. How am I going to make a big impact on the audience? Oh, I know. I'll, I'll show this scene for 10 minutes and conclude the scene with this freaky, you know, Jack Kevorkian rig harness on this girl's face. And, and there's nothing to build that that up in the beginning of the film, aside then, aside from a few text messages and a conversation she's having with her boyfriend about how bad or how I forgot like her sister, she's having a talk about how unstable her sister is or how bad their relationship is. It just, I don't know. That that felt so lazy to me, but I could be wrong. Yeah, the only other time we see a flash of her parents and her sister is one time at the area where um, we had the two elderly folks, you know, take their nesty plunge to death. Yeah. She sees her parents laying down and her sister up against the rock with the hose. So that is the only time we see that image again. And there's only one more image flashback of her parents and her sister. They're like sitting there watching TV and her sister looks over at her. Yeah. And kind of smiles. And that's it. It's like totally out of okay. context. And like, you know, like Leanne, it totally makes sense for Leanne to empathize with the Danny character because she's Leanne's going through some stuff. Just like Danny was going through some stuff. Exactly. I, but, I exactly for me. I don't need that stuff spelled out because I'm already in it. But if I'm Joe Blow walking into the movie theater to see an elevated horror, 
Yeah, a horror film, you know. Danny Danny is also a shell of a character with with a little piece of of context here and there, but even she's not a super likable protagonist. I didn't feel really like connected to her or her story like at all. I was like, dude, if anything, dump this loser. Like you're an attractive young woman. You're going to follow this moron to Sweden? Like, no, he doesn't like you. Like maybe they should have taken <laughs> Stella got her groove back along with that movie uh, or that book. He's just not in, not, he's just not that into you. And it should have just been a breakup film about her dumping this guy. And then we start with her, you know, going to the spa, getting her nails done, get some fresh J's, a new outfit, hitting the clubs, you know, like I just, ah, I don't know. It just, Oh, makes me so mad. (laughs) It's funny. And I think, I think almost anyone who watches this is going to have a different takeaway. Like watching it this last time, I kind of realized that I'm more in line with the Simon character. Cause when he sees the two elderly people jump and he's like, what the fuck you people are messed up. This guy just jumped. What? Yeah. No, we're out of here. I'm like, that's me. Yeah. I'm like in this moment, that's me. I walk oh, yeah. out. I'm leaving. I'm getting my shit. I'm taking my fiance. We're going to bounce. Y'all do you, but it's fucked. We're out. <laughs> I think we talked about that last time, Jeff. Is like I was like, yeah, it's time to get my hiking boots on. I don't care how fucking far away Oslo is. We're walking to the airport if we need to walk to the airport. Like, bye. Yeah. You know, like there's no way. There is no freaking way. Like, just rolling up, just just and and that's how I felt in just as the casual viewer in the movie is like not bringing any any of my own personal experience into the film, but just the way that it's presented. And, and again, that's why I felt like it was so lazy, like just rolling up into the beginning of the film. You see all these like people in white robes, like out and out in various clusters in this field. And I'm like, nope, there's no way. And, and then, and then uh, Pelly going up and hugging his brother. And you're like, yeah, all these people aren't brothers and sisters. This is like some, something else happening here like i'm gone i'm gone i am gone when they say it's a four-hour trip into the backwoods of sweden to meet my quote-unquote family i've seen too many horror films (laughs) like i am there's no way there's no freaking way there's no way it's just ah it just it feels like it feels like the characters are pushed along at the speed of plot and it doesn't it doesn't feel like they're making decisions that are based or grounded in any kind of reality other than a reality that serves the story and to me that's bad filmmaking right like that's that's bad like when you're playing a, a you know a game of D&D if you're game master is the one who's making all of the decisions and not giving you any sort of free will, which none of the characters in this film felt like they had any sort of free will. That's a bad game. You know what I mean? Definitely. They're making, yeah, they're making these weird inexplicable decisions that aren't grounded in any sort of reality or logic. And you're just like, why would you do that? I think also for me, if, if I hadn't had lost my mom and I hadn't been in the place that I was, 
I think I would not have liked this movie. I think I would have hated it <laughs> because it kind of reminds me of when the movie Quiet came out. I heard a lot of black people saying it was a white people horror film. Like that is that is a scary movie for white people. <laughs> and I feel like Midsummer is also like that. Totally. It's very much a white people scary movie. Totally. Yeah. Oh, totally. 100%. I feel like it revolves around privilege, right? Like Absolutely. Like this, this is a film where like the horror is, "Oh my god, I'm not getting enough you know like it, it's like i'm not getting uh uh the 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 pot pie that i want to eat you know as opposed to <laughs> i don't have enough money to pay for food or there are monsters chasing me down and i i'm not going to be able to eat like it just it felt very contrived it just it, i agree yeah and i think that's and that my privilege thing Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, sorry, Jeff. I was just going to say, I think that's my biggest beef with this film is the is it feels very contrived. And, and that privilege thing that we were that we just touched on, it makes sense because when they're sitting around one of the times and they're eating, Mark is like, Ugh, it's like they're trying to make this food disgusting. I don't even want to eat it. I'm like, asshole, you're getting a free meal right now. They're feeding yeah. you. They're housing you you've been brought i mean aside from the cult aspect you've been brought in and you're being fed don't look a gift horse in the mouth they could easily just have skinned you earlier as soon as you showed up yeah exactly it just yeah it, it, there's just there's so much about this film like that just feels i don't know it, it just it's it's not an elevated horror film it's not i i wouldn't even i would argue that it's not even really a horror film it doesn't I guess it works on, it resonates on some sort of psychological level. It's just a series of inexplicable events with a bunch of weirdos who throw their grandma and grandpa off of cliffs, <laughs> uh, Logan's Run style. Like, that's not mm -hmm. a freaking horror movie. That's just some freaking director's self-indulgent pet project. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense, because the only reason it's a horror film is because of the gore, really. If you get rid of the gore, what is it? Yeah, you got some weird group sex thing happening where, you know, yeah. a bunch of weirdos, you know, <laughs> chanting along. I, that was weird, but ultimately, <laughs> what the hell? You know what I mean? When I watched it, it's so funny because when I watched it, I was like, man, this is really sweet. They're all in it together. You know, maybe she's nervous. It's her first time. They're comforting her. They're cheering him on. Yeah. This is really sweet. And you're like, no, this is weird. Yeah. Oh, God. That's what, that was my first thing. I'm like, it's weird. It's Why weird. are they all there? Yeah. It's so like, weird. It's so, I'm like, not going to walk in. Yeah, and, and like, yeah, let's do this. I'll be like, what the fuck? But like, here's the thing. Here, even in that scene where where Aster is definitely trying to establish the strangeness and otherness of of this experience, even that scene. I, I'm sorry, uh, Leanne, just being real here for a second. There is no way that I'm going to be rising for the occasion on. <laughs> The bare wooden floor of some weird fucking cult temple with the the half of the damn women in the cult. Like, this guy, like, 
how is that even a thing? How is that even possible? Like it doesn't, <laughs> that, that whole scene doesn't make sense. It's just there as filler. It's there to catch your attention. It's there because the ritual that's happening, you know, um, that's being intersected with, you know, uh, Christian's journey, uh, you could, I guess you could say, um, it's, I feel like it's there to catch eyes. It, it, it's, it's there to catch your attention. It isn't there to serve the plot in any way or. or I disagree. You, you really? Yeah. I don't know. Well, the reason, the reason I disagree is because of the audible chanting and, you know, moaning that they were doing as a collective, they, it was making a lot of noise. They were very loud. And that's how Danny discovers that it's even yeah. happening. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. And if they weren't doing that, she wouldn't have seen that, and that would have ended the movie. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, just, oh, man, I don't know. I just so many elements to this film, and maybe I need to watch it again to, to get no. Well, it's it, don't it, torture yourself. I know. I you know. don't need to. We're good. It's we like will not be doing part three. <laughs> it's like the elephant. It's the elephant child too. Like, what's up with that guy? Like, like, come on, guys! They introduced this. The, <laughs> it's such we a bad. Oh, we got to touch upon him before you know before before we wrap this thing. But it's like I feel like that. That's exactly how I felt when I saw that character. I'm like. Who the fuck is this kid? Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, am I watching The Shining? Is he going to get a banjo out and start playing? Like, (laughs) he, what? Like, it's so, it was so weird and strange to me. And and maybe, maybe that was the genius of the film. I don't know. But I was confused. I don't know. I would have liked, I would have liked more explanation because they're like, oh yeah, he's the product of incestuous breeding. And he's (laughs) unclouded because of that. I'm like, Um, I'd like more. <laughs> yeah. Have there been others? Yeah, it's like is has everyone who's written down your history and all these books been unclouded, or did you just at some point have two people have sex and you're like, uh, well, I guess we'll go with this one. He's a little deformed, but yeah, yeah, I guess I we'll mean, make this the the prophet or whatever. Totes, like like if that if 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 they included that as a plot point if they said oh yeah you know after years of selectively incestuous breeding we've created these children who can see into the future and convey future events through the scribblings we keep in this massive vault like holy shit that's that is some like serious lovecraftian seriously heavy interesting an interesting plot line that like a uh, Call of Cthulhu geek like me would be like, holy shit, that'd be a great scenario to write for my players and run them through a game, you know, where they're raiding a Swedish cult compound with like this these prophets who have you know these strange powers because of decades or centuries of selectively incestuous breeding. But it's like, no, here's this weird kid. He's scribbling up in his basement, um, and yeah, he's unclouded. Okay, moving on to the next. I'm just like, what? <laughs> what? How do you like? I have like, more questions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Shocking for shocking's sake. Yeah, and exactly. I've never once, in in all the viewings I've had of this, I'm like, they never come back and let us know. Yeah, what's it's up? So- it's it's something said in passing to Josh while he's in the room talking to the guy. 
Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, again, again, I feel like, again, like, let's let's toss a tomato on the shit sandwich. Like, here's, a, here's another plot point <laughs> that we can toss in here that's not going to be explored. There's just this scene of this weird kid. Um, and and then boom, moving on. Let's let's move on to the final culmination of the film with no reference to the lore of this. Uh, I just uh, ugh. There are <laughs> there are a couple of things that I, I took away, and I, I want to present them to you guys, and then you guys and Leanne. I think we discussed a little bit of this last night. Actually, you're the one who actually pointed this out to me, so we'll we'll get your more in depth thoughts on this. But Danny, in the course of the film, she's the only one that really takes part in anything going on there. She's more open. She's talking with them. She's helping with the baby. She goes in and helps them make food. She's very open to listening to them and kind of getting to know the people where everyone else in that group, Christian, Josh, and Mark, are very much standoffish. They're withdrawn from everything. They're standing back. They don't want to get involved. They're like, eh, unless it comes to getting laid, they want nothing to do with it other than, I'm going to take my notes for my paper. But other than that, I want nothing to do with you guys. And I think it speaks to that Danny kind of needing something. And they don't, they don't do a whole lot to explain it, but she's really the only one that's like, this is interesting. Let me talk to these people and see. And Leanne, you kind of pointed that out, so I want to get a little more of what you think. Well, I mean, it kind of goes back to her giving douchebags a chance. Like, she's willing to see what they're about. She's willing to um, take in their culture and be respectful of their ways of life. Um, She's trying to be as respectful as possible. And I feel like that's something she and I have in common, too, where we kind of accept our surroundings and try to be respectful and polite, you know? This is someone's way of life. It means something to them. So it 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 should be that you would want to be interested. And like she they have her do these things and they ask her to do these things like, "Hey, would you mind helping us with cooking this meal?" or "Hey, let's do this um this dance competition." Um at at one point, they pick flowers backwards. That wasn't an event. That was something they just did, and she just did with them. Yeah. Man, which, you know, thinking about a dance competition for uh, the Lifetime version of this movie, <laughs> like, man, <laughs> killer scene. <laughs> Tell, let, guys, let's rewrite this movie, like the dance competition. <laughs> That would be amazing. But I agree with you, Leanne. I think, you know, again, I think I think all of that stuff, all of those, all of those scenes are ways are ways that the director was trying to humanize and flesh out the Danny character. And and I like, yeah, I I'm so conflicted, even even you know, even when they attempt to humanize the Danny character it's almost like the film still wants to come in and, and some of those scenes, like when she's, when she's in the dance competition, for instance, right? Like they focus in on her, they focus in on her joy, but I still think that like, and sort of her, her experience of, of feeling a, a bit of a release from her burden, you know, but it's still of grief and maybe, and like you said, Leanne, maybe connecting with these, with this cult, 
and their way of life. But it's still, and, and maybe it's just because I'm stupid and I need things spelled out for me. And maybe it's because I'm indignant at the fact that the film spelled that spelled out the plot of the film at the very beginning on that on that parchment, but then goes into super obtuse mode later on where they're not giving you anything. Maybe I'm mad because in that scene, maybe they should have expounded more on her feeling of connection with the people or spelled out that blossoming relationship a little more explicitly. If you're going to take the time to smack me in the face with the plot line at the beginning of the movie, then take the time to smack me in the face during this dance competition where Danny's connecting with this cult, this cult culture and these rituals and these people and empathizing with them and, and becoming one of them. Smack me in the face with that. Don't hold back and just make me wonder, well, what, what the fuck is going on? Is this the drugs they're giving her or is this a genuine connection that she's feeling with these people? Again, I just feel like, uh, it's so, it just generated this conflict in me that, that the director would say, I'm going to give you this film in the first 20 minutes. But then as you move through the rest of the film, you're left to wonder like, why the, why the fuck is she smiling at the end of the film as her boyfriend's burning up in a, barn dressed in a bear suit like just come on man give me something to work with (laughs) well me and jeff were talking about that last night um the fact that she's smiling and i think jeff correct me if i'm wrong but we came to the conclusion that well because she's frowning at first because she's upset and she's angry and then it turns into a smile and it's almost like him dying is like the last piece of grief that's holding her back from being happy. Yeah. She's finally free of all the things that were holding her down. And, you know, like I, I 100% agree with you. There is a catharsis in that character's death, right? Because she, she already is going down the path of like, I can't stand this guy. He's proving himself to be a, you know, total slimy scum bucket. As the film goes on, you know, she's I, I'm sure those feelings are solidifying in her, but they're not. It's not like they're being that it's not like those mind states are being reflected in the plot or the storyline. And I just feel like that's lazy filmmaking. It's like, let me put all the burden. Lazy filmmaking to me is let me put the burden uh, or the onus of intention on the viewer as opposed to kind of taking a position on some of these things and then leaving some of these things as questions in the viewer's mind because I'm making an elevated horror piece. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. It definitely does. I, I'm too, I feel like I'm trashing this film way harder than I did the first time around. <laughs> you <laughs> are, but that's okay. <laughs> It's oh, okay. Every, everyone is entitled to their opinions on whatever, and I'm coming away with this thinking that well, I think the film is beautifully shot, and on the first go-round, I was like, okay, that was interesting. That was some, And I appreciate some of the darker elements with the cult killing off people and yeah. the ritual of burning them at the end, and the kind of life cycle of everything going back. I think those are the more interesting parts that I like. 
it's the group of friends and those that are the focus that I'm like, it doesn't really work for me yeah. at this point. Yeah. I want to know more about this cult, this society. What, where do they come from? How did this start? What is happening? Yeah. Like the kid, man. I want to know more about the kid. Is he really like, is he an alien yeah. or is he like some sort of like, you know, the descendant of some sort of albino troglodytes that crawled out of a cave in the Swedish, like, come on, man, get me, hit me with some of that. Like you want an elevated horror film. Let's rewrite some, uh, Scandinavian myth cycles, or let's just make freaking Stella gets her groove back. That culminates in a dance competition. <laughs> Choose like, fucking one. You know what I mean? Is this kid like Swedish Hills Have Eyes mutant kind of thing from weird yes. nuclear testing that was going on? Yes. Yes, exactly. There was, there was something else that happened in the film, but this time I kind of took it as a different thing. And again, I'm going to run this by you guys and you kind of tell me. So we see Josh go in against the wishes of pretty much everyone in the cult saying you can't take pictures of these books goes in to do it. He's killed the next day. Christian and Danny are confronted by essentially the elder saying, Hey, uh, so that book was stolen and your friends are gone. What's going on. And this time around, I looked at him like they're testing them. Cause we know for a fact that book wasn't taken. They, they killed Josh before anything could go missing. So they know that book is there. This is a test to see who's going to do what. And because Danny didn't say anything and she was like, I don't basically look at them like, I have no idea what's going on. Christian defended himself way too hard. Like, oh, no, we don't associate with him as friends. And last time we saw Mark, he was off with a girl and this and that. Yeah. And oh, we wouldn't ever, ever do anything like that. We would never. And she's just looking at him like, wow, you're really a piece of shit. And she says nothing, and they're like, okay. And I think ultimately there they kind of made the decision, like, he's probably most likely going to be the one we put in the bear suit. So, uh, But, you know, man, I'm sorry, Leanne. I just – I have feelings about this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if, if you agreed with everything we said, it would make for a very boring episode. I, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, man, where do you even begin? That – that whole the whole sub again the whole subplot with that that isn't really thoroughly expounded upon or even remotely expounded upon at all except in passing um, with Josh creeping into the you know the library of the tome of uh, the repository of the cultic knowledge and then he gets you know beaten to death or whatever or gets hit by the by the lurch cultist. Um, that to me, like, come on, really? We, we are, we, the audience are supposed to believe in some sort of logic in our films, right? There, there has to be some basis of logic. Otherwise we're watching a Marvel movie, right? Which I love Marvel movies, but you know, that, that guy is an Iron Man, right? So I'm supposed to believe as a viewer that this guy's going to sneak into the, even, even if I assume, oh, this guy really wants to beat out the asshole Christian in, in his thesis here. So he's willing to take the risk of sneaking into this, uh, you know, this library to steal a book. Doesn't, doesn't compute. I'm sorry. No reasonable human being, no matter how desperate they are to 
after witnessing old people jump off of cliffs, Logan's run style, and then have their fucking head smashed in, is going to say, hey, you know what's a really great idea? Sneaking into the library that I've been explicitly told not to go into. Like, that is like some Scooby-Doo level bullshit. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and I'm sorry, but, but that to me, again, is like this character has no basis in reality. It, it, it's a stand-in. The character of Josh is a stand-in for plot advancement and that wouldn't mm-hmm. you know isn't acting as a normal human being would act in that situation so that you know again it's just a series of these inexplicable decisions by the characters that completely remove me from the film you know like why didn't they it. introduce elephant boy right there you know why didn't <laughs> elephant boy like it could have just as easily been elephant boy sitting <laughs> Sitting, staying up all night, make you know, doing his drawings on on in the middle of the library and having Josh walk in and go, oh, and then running out, as it could have been, you know, Lurch beating him over the head with a. It just <laughs> nothing seemed genuine. It it seems so contrived. It seems so much like a lifetime movie to me. You know, like oh, I just oh, makes me so angry. <laughs> See, that's that's why I love being able to do this in this kind of forum, because we can discuss and we can get these feelings out oh, and we can vent and discuss. Oh, and it's man. it's sort of therapeutic when you really, see something like this and you have certain feelings and you want to get them out instead of holding on to them and just like, oh, I'm just going to bottle this up and bury it. Oh, and then somebody may randomly mention the movie sometime and you just go off like a oh, yeah. crate of dynamite, oh, yeah, this, <laughs> leave them this... a crying mess in the corner. Oh man, if, if we were having this conversation, like if we never talked about this film and you guys were like, hey, did you ever see Midsummer? I would just be like, either I'm going to like just <laughs> verbally diarrhea or I'm just going to be like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut down because this film just is so, it was so bad. It was so, in my opinion, it was just, there, there were interesting elements, but overall it was just a super lazy film. And again, a movie about some basic white chick getting her groove back and being in a fucking awesome dance competition while in drugs, but still winning the dance competition would be way more, and dumping her shithead boyfriend would be way more compelling to me than Midsummer. I'm just just saying, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I just, that's just just where I'm coming from. (laughs) So sad. I'm such a horrible person. I'm sorry. I know. You're not no, a horrible Jeff person. and I are not gonna are not gonna fight you on that. You're an asshole. <laughs> so bad. This movie was so bad. This movie was so bad, guys. Even the ridiculous, the ridiculous. Like I, I'm gonna move forward here for us. The ridiculous ending. Why the fuck was the guy in a bear suit? There's no explanation. There's no like no. There's, there's, except for the, except for the canvas at the beginning of the movie. But you're left to ensue, assume that this is some sort of weird Swedish pagan ritual or cultic ritual. But there's nothing there. It's just the guy going like, "Holy shit! I'm paralyzed. The barn's burning down around me." And it just, again, it felt like a Scooby Doo episode. It felt well, like, 
I did. Me and Jeff were when we were watching it last night. We no, we noticed some symbolism that we didn't see before, and when uh, what's a Christian walks into that one? Jeff, can you help me out? That one woman. It's like the, the, the matriarch the where she was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She, he was. She was telling him like, "You've been, you know, chosen to be a match for her to conceive a child." Yeah, it was, yeah. When, so it was like, that scene. If yeah. you look on the walls, you can see all these symbols, and one of the symbols, or was it that was it there that we saw it, Jeff? But there was a symbol was, of this bear, like underneath or above a, a fire. Nice. So yeah, it was a bear engulfed in something. Nice. Yeah, so it's something they they do on a regular basis. On the reg, yeah. I just, yeah. I just keep thinking of like, what was that? Wasn't it a Christmas story where and then they buy him a bunny suit instead of a bear suit? I thought I, for some reason I was remembering a Christmas story and I was thinking of that scene where like what's his name comes down in the bunny suit and he's all like emasculated and sa- Ralphie, yeah. He's all sad, you know, and I'm just like, man, they should have just put him in a bunny suit. That would have been way more uh in your face about the whole fertility ritual. Like oh, and they probably they probably were just like we couldn't do a bunny suit because then we would be aping a Christmas story and everybody would see through this shitty film for what it is. But <laughs> if you think about it, it's way more in your face than a bear. What's, you know? what's a better symbol of fertility than a bunny? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I mean, even his face at the end, he's just kind of comical looking when he's like looking around like, oh. It's getting kind of hot here, guys. The suit is really itchy. Like, actually, I did have a thing about that too nice. because when so he has this thing where he gets this this look on his face, like his eyes just bulge out of his head because he's like freaking out. Okay, so in the beginning, when he's walking toward her apartment, um, and you can hear her screaming in the background, um, his eyes are big and bulgy like that. Like he is panicking. He is shitting himself. Yeah. And so when I saw him in the bear suit and his eyes are bugging out of his head, I was like, he is shitting himself right now. He's panicking. You know what? Christian deserved to die. If he's going to have the same reaction of comforting his grieving girlfriend while being burned up in a bear suit. (laughs) He is, he has met karma and they, they have been well, well married. Yes. Because <laughs> there is God. no redemptive arc for Christians. <laughs> yes, yes. There's no only redemption. him. There's only him going like, "Hey guys, maybe we could turn the AC on in the barn. The suit's really heavy. Um, it's really hot in here. Like, God, get out of here, man. Good, good, Christian. Good, good for you. I guess there was a satisfying end to that film, then, in my opinion. Yes. <laughs> Satisfying that we got to see him get his just desserts. That's right. Yeah, fuck that guy. If you can't comfort your girlfriend, then get in a bear suit and set yourself on fire. Yeah. Like, the only other two <laughs> characters I don't feel... This, she'll probably tell me to do the same thing at some point. I should probably... <laughs> the only two characters that I don't feel really deserved to die, and it was just maybe the cult trying to protect, like, their livelihood, were Simon and Connie. They just yeah. wanted to leave. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they could maybe expose us. So, yeah, we're going to kill them. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's kind of fucked up for them. They just wanted to leave. 
Yeah, they were like the they were like the odd. I think I feel like Simon and Connie were like the stand-in for the audience of the film. You know, like no, it's time to leave when when you see an old guy get his or was it? I can't remember if it was the lady or the guy, but when you get see somebody get their face smashed in Gallagher style on a rock, like it's time to go. Yeah, yeah. When when they're going all sledgematic on the old dude, it's like. You know, my personal thoughts on that yeah. is, like, I'm not going to make a big deal. I'm not going to go, oh, man, this is – I'm, I'm going to call the cops. Like, I am doing, like, again, the Scooby-Doo sneak. I'm not getting any of my shit. We're leaving. <laughs> like, I, I, we, are, we are walking away <laughs> from this place in whatever we have on, and I, I'm out. Like, I am gone. <laughs> There's uh, no – Sayonara. Yeah, bye. Like, I, I don't need a ride. I don't want to drink any of your special spiced punch. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't want to eat, uh, you know, uh, maybe the chef drops some hair in the, the pot pies. I, I don't need a pot pie before I leave or any other baked goods. I just want to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'll, I'll yeah. find the Swedish equivalent of a 7-Eleven and... Yeah. Yeah, deal for with sure. the aftermath as I'm leaving. I'm for good. Sure. Yeah, it's a pretty friendly country. I'm sure I can catch a ride, you know. And even if I, you know, end up getting butchered Wolf Creek style on my way out of the uh, <laughs> the cult <laughs> compound, I feel like that's a way better end for me than you know dealing with these weirdos. I just, uh, and everything about that movie. I just, I'm sorry, guys. No, it's it's good because you know I. I've watched it so many times. It's bonkers. And I've, I'm have i a glutton for punishment. So I watch it so I can be sad. I'm like, oh, I want to be sad today. Let's put on Midsummer, oh, And then I cry my eyes out. Oh. And then I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do this ep- podcast episode. I'm, this is going to be my, my swan song for this movie. I can finally put it to rest. And you're actually helping me with that because you're helping me see that it kind of is a garbage movie. Yeah. And and that I was really only holding on to it for emotional sake. No way, Leanne, I, you know, here's my take on, on films. Like, like Jeff was saying, I mean, this movie evoked something in me. We're here talking about it. I have strong feelings on it. I mean, strong enough feelings to spend four hours discussing this, this movie. (laughs) Uh, so who's the dummy now? Like I've spent more time <laughs> wasting more parts of my life. Well, not wasting, but you know, spent more time talking about this garbage fire of a movie than than I'd spent watching it. <laughs> and it it did something for me, and, and you know, it it spoke to me in some way. But you know, it's it's kind of the same way I feel about The Crow, right? Like I love The Crow, and The Crow mm-hmm. The Crow spoke to me. And got me through a really hard time in my life. And even though it wasn't technically a great film, and you know some of the dialogue wasn't great, and the acting, some of the acting wasn't great. I thought Brendan Lee was amazing, but but it was a film that objectively may not be everybody's cup of tea, and some people may even accuse of being not great. It still moved me, and I still watch it, and I still have the same feelings that I had when I initially watched it. You know, so that's the beauty of film and, and, you know, you definitely shouldn't, um, you know, feel like you wasted any of your time. No, definitely not. But I could also go 
you know, I think I could go the rest of my life without watching it again. I, I'm 100% with you on that. <laughs> I look at it this way. There's going to be people who who really love this film, and that's fine. They're entitled to. It's like with any movie. There are people that absolutely despise the Marvel films. Mm-hmm. I happen to really enjoy all of them. Oh, yeah, for but sure. But I'm not going to sit there and tell someone, oh, well, you should really like change your opinion because, you know, this, that, and the other. It's like, don't yuck someone else's yum is basically what it is. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I want to say we should be able to have a discussion like this and discuss these films when there's things that you don't like or do like or you think things missed here and there. And ultimately, that's what I liked about doing this two-part episode is we've had different opinions coming from Paul, coming from Leanne, Pat, myself, and we've, we've agreed on things. We've disagreed on things. Ultimately, in the end, we had a rousing discussion. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's ultimately what I think everyone should do because there's so much, and I know this is going to get into a weird rant here and we're, we're going to, we're going to bring this to a close here soon, but uh, what would a skewered universe podcast be without my rant? Ultimately, there is such division among fan bases all over because nobody can have an adult discussion. It's, well, I like this, and if you don't like this, fuck you. You're stupid, and I hate you. It's like, whoa, why is that the go-to? Let's just have a discussion, see what we like, what we don't like. Maybe there's common ground somewhere. As opposed to, well, I really like Midsummer, and you're telling me it's a garbage movie, so you're you suck, and I hate you. Yeah. Okay. Do you have reasons behind that, or are you just saying that because you have nothing else to go to? I I just appreciate when people can sit down, have a discussion, and that's always been my thing. Just talk it out. Just yeah. have a discussion. Be adults. Okay, rant over. I I was going to say, I'll just add to that, Jeff. You know, like, I appreciate fan bases being passionate, right? Like, I'm with you. I happen to love Marvel films. But as my daughter, as my four-year-old told me last night when we were, she was talking about some of her classmates, she's like, superheroes are boring and princesses are beautiful. And I'm like, rock on. Yeah, if princesses are your thing, do princesses. Like, watch all the princess movies. Uh, but yeah, don't begrudge somebody their love of a film. And, and, you know, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that, that Midsummer is, Midsummer is not my cup of tea. And I think there are some technically great things to this film. Um, you know, some of the exterior shots and the landscapes and things like that. And I think there are some good ideas that they could have expounded on and, and that make you think And this movie definitely generated a reaction in me. Uh, but if if you want are curious or you want to see this film or you are you know you like the director or what have you, one hundred percent you should watch it. I, I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying don't ever watch Midsummer. It's garbage. Like no, if 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 you're interested, I'd say watch it, give it a shot, and you know if you like it, you're fucking stupid. I mean, what else can I say? <laughs> I'm kidding. That was a joke. Sure, sure, sure. That was a joke. I don't believe that. No, I I think if, if you're interested and you dig it, do it. You know what I mean? Watch it. Give it a give it a view and see what you know, see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Leanne, what 
you got anything else here before we wrap up and sign off? Uh, yeah, I have uh, an issue with the movie. Um, so every time I watch it, I keep wondering where are all these flowers? <laughs> where are the flowers? Exactly. Where are they? They're nowhere. Are they going to like Walgreens and picking up flowers? No, they're in the space cave where the elephant boys, <laughs> alien ancestries, where the elephant boys, alien ancestors currently reside in year 50,000 <laughs> of their occupation of the planet. Yeah. What, so where, where else is all of this other stuff? Like where are they, where are they getting the, you don't, well, I guess you do see them processing the meat, so I can't say that, but I don't know. There's, but yeah, last night me and Jeff were watching it, and I'm like, Jeff, tell me where these flowers are. That's so goes, true. Maybe well, they're under the two, tarps. I had two theories. One is maybe they're under the tarps that they keep showing you, or two, they've got a really good lucrative silk flower business, and we just don't see where that's at. Yeah, yeah. Silk flowers and ASMR, man. The, that's where the money's at. <laughs> Maybe we need to do an ASMR movie review. Maybe that's where the most <laughs> fame and prestige and come on, Jeff. I, you got that silky tone in your voice. Yeah, Mount Sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's hey, that's gonna be in the script for our rewrite of Midsummer is like <laughs> is not a dance competition and ASMR somehow, some way. Maybe the Danny character is an ASM artist who's, you know. Kind of down on her luck, looking for inspiration. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm fully, I'm fully on board with this, but there has to be one thing we need to include that I think would would have really made the movie even better. If she's going to get new outfits, there needs to be an '80s style montage where she's got a couple yeah. of friends. Maybe one is like the sassy gay friend, yeah, yeah. and they're telling her yes or no as she's in different outfits, and it's got to be to Katrina and the waves walking on sunshine. They, oh, yes. That's all I'm saying. 100%. No, her sassy friends are her girl band, like the Gem and... Yeah. <laughs> what was that? What was Gem, Gem and the Holograms. Holograms. Gem and the Holograms style <laughs> montage. <sighs> because her asshole boyfriend doesn't like her music. Like, he's dogging her music, man. He's stifling her... Cre- oh, we... This Don't is get it. me started about Gem, because she's a two-faced bitch. I can't stand her. Yeah. Right. We will save that for another time. <laughs> I think I think on that note, we we need to wrap this up because honestly, we can keep talking forever and that's gonna keep anyone from getting anything else done in life. Yeah. Midsummer should not be a hindrance. Yes. So yes. again, guys, I really want to thank you both for, for showing up to do this. This thank you for great. setting it up. Of course, of course. I always like speaking with you guys. It's fun. We got to do another one real soon. Dawn of yeah. the Dead. Multi-part. Dawn of the Dead. We're definitely going to do that. If anyone out there is a Dawn of the Dead fan, get ready because this is going to be a, a magnum opus oh, from boy. Skewered Universe. Yeah. I definitely <laughs> got some thoughts on Dawn of the Dead, people. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> and, if you're, your and if you're willing... <laughs> If you're willing, we could do Dawn and then maybe do the follow-up with Day. I don't know if you're up for that. Oh, but man. 100% on board. I got some thoughts still on that gotta... movie, too. And we'll <laughs> we'll still get together with uh, Paul and talk about Mandy, because that's one that I've been meaning to see Mandy. as well. Yeah, that has everything. Big chainsaws. Uh, I mean, the cage. I'm in. Cults. 
Colts. Uh, we'll be Colts, on a Colts kick. Yeah, Colts. I mean, it's maybe love. I need to be a. Maybe we need to just cover cult movies on this, and I mean movies about cults, not. There's so hey now yeah. thinking about Mandy there there are very there are a couple of similarities between Mandy and Midsummer there is a death that occurs while somebody's covered by something else kind of entombed in material so there's that I mean yeah we might as well just slide right into Mandy and that that didn't sound good we might as well uh, <laughs> Mandy and uh, yeah Leanne are you on board. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. You guys got to watch it together too. though, because it is a love. It is a love story. And yeah, we we'll we'll part. definitely watch together. I think I showed her a trailer and she didn't seem interested, but uh, oh, Leanne, yeah, we'll definitely. When you see the Cheddar Goblin, <laughs> when you see the Cheddar Goblin show up, you're going to be interested. Let me tell you, the Cheddar Goblin or two minutes of Nick Cage freaking out for no reason. Well, I mean, he okay. But an you got me with shot that. Just Nick Cage going like, Wah! in a bathroom. Oh, it's epic. Epic. I'm, I'm down. Yeah. So, so yeah. So. You guys keep your ears open. We're going to be doing Mandy. Pat and I are going to be discussing Dawn of the Dead. It's going to be a lot of fun stuff coming through here. I think that's it, guys. So if there's any final thoughts you want to say, anything you want to talk about real quick before we wrap up and I think we're going to call this a show. So if you have anything else, feel free to jump in right here. I'll just say, hey, Midsummer, check it and, you know, see what you think. And then all I have to say is uh, thank you for listening and we love you. All love right. You. Should I do it? Thanks ASL so much, guys. For- Whisper it. <laughs> <laughs> Go right ahead. Go for it. Go for it. We'll be quiet. No, I, I, I can't. Leanne, you do it. You have no, 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 no. Jeff, you do. So long, everybody. Thank you for listening. It's been really great. (laughs) I don't know if anyone heard me or not. I'm so turned on right now. (laughs) Oh, God. I got to leave now, guys. (laughs) All right. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being on the show, guys. We'll reconvene soon. Everyone keep enjoying that universe that's just a bit skewered. Check out Skewered Universe Podcast at the following links. Skeweredhead.com Facebook.com slash groups slash Skewered Universe Podcast Skeweruniverse.podbean.com Twitter at SkeweredU Instagram, Skewered underscore Universe Email the show at Skewered Universe Podcast at gmail.com